A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome, everyone, to episode 58 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and thank you for downloading and streaming the show. I hope you guys like what you hear, and if you do, it'd be great if you guys can subscribe and recommend the show to all of your friends. We're closing in on November, and I don't know any other way of saying it, but it's left quite a mark, maybe a stain (laughs) on TV as we know it, and I'm sure that many of you have uh, already heard the news that Matt Lauer has been dismissed by the Today Show for sexual harassment. In full disclosure, I've been contributing over at the Today Show for close to five years. Um, And in one of those chances, I got Matt, um, I had the great experience of having Matt Lauer interview me, which for me at the time was considered the peak of all my ambitions and dreams when I was in journalism school in uh, Miami-Dade Community College where uh, I went to school. And to be in New York and work at Univision and to see Matt Lauer and Katie Couric every single morning was, you know, it, it, it was the big, the big dream. And to have been to that point where, you know, you interact with somebody that you've admired for so much and then to hear the demise of someone you admired so much. It's it's tough on the senses. Um, obviously, we didn't know what the man, who the man was. We 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 admired the figure on screen, but not necessarily the man, because we didn't really know too much about him. But uh, for me, it's it's devastating to 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 know that this happened, and and it arises a lot of questions like, well, who's going to take over Matt Lauer's spot? Who's uh, who's in for the running, who's being considered. I can give you my opinions. I think Willie Geist is the man for the job. I've said it from day one, ever since I met him. I love Willie Geist too. Him and I have a bit of a relationship. He's been on my podcast, which you can listen to. I think it's episode three. Uh, One of the best interviews I had and just one of the best people that I know. Um, I just love him. And he's the only guy that has those qualities that can match up to to Matt Lowers. So it's going to take a while to get over this one, but uh, life moves on. Um, On other news this uh, week and this month, (laughs) everybody seems to be talking about the big social media buzz of the moment, which is uh, the engagement of Prince Harry to Meghan Markle. And uh, what's different about her, it's not a white princess. It's a biracial princess. So that has social media a buzz. Uh, what has me a buzz is this ESPN BuzzFeed layoffs that they've been doing. ESPN 
uh, fired or laid off about 150 people. BuzzFeed did about 100. What does that say about our media landscape? We're living through a moment where it's literally changing before our very eyes in real time. This isn't a history book. We're experiencing it together. And it, it's, it's damning because when you start hearing that Time Inc. was sold, the publishing company that owns people in Espanol, SI Latino, uh, and they've been sold to Meredith Publishing, uh, what's going to happen to the Latino outlets? A lot of questions, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have answers to it very, very, very soon. But coming back to this week's episode, we get down to the nitty-gritty of how the firing of Matt Lauer will affect the Today Show moving forward. Who will replace him? Will it be a woman? A person of color? We don't know. I think it'll be Willie Geis. But Al Tompkins, a senior faculty and journalist at the Pointer Institute of Journalism, uh, he's been in this business for close to 45 years. He comes on the show and gives me his choice of who will be replacing Matt Lauer. And it's someone you'll never guess, but probably have already seen many times on TV. Then, the new Avengers Infinity War trailer premiered this week, and Adam Garcia, a producer over at Yahoo Entertainment, a good friend of mine too, he joins me to break down why this new movie will be the epic of epics, and why DC is on the verge of collapse. So keep your headphones on, this is the Highly Relevant Podcast. And we are grappling with a dilemma that so many people have faced these past few weeks. How do you reconcile your love for someone with the revelation that they have behaved badly? Mm -hmm. And I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that this reckoning that so many organizations have been going through is important. It's long overdue. And it must result in workplaces where all women, all people Mm -hmm. feel safe and respected. The morning television landscape has changed as we currently know it. With Matt Lauer being the biggest star anchor fired for sexual harassment, where does the Today Show go from here? Al Tompkins, a senior faculty and journalist at the Pointer Institute of Journalism, is on the line right now to discuss the future of the morning news business and who he thinks is the best candidate to take over Matt Lauer's job. Mr. Tompkins... Thank you for coming on. Sure. Your immediate reaction when you heard of Matt Lauer's dismissal this morning? I, I, I can't decide whether I was more sad or surprised, but right. it was a mixture of both. Um, and the news just seems to get worse uh, as some details uh, from Variety um, come out. Mm-hmm. If they are true, they are just awful. And um, it seems as though NBC had very little choice but to act really fast. Now you had an uh, you you wrote an article uh, why NBC had to act fast in firing Lauer, and mm-hmm. it brought me back to the moment where Brian Williams was given sort of a six month bench, right, uh, where he can warm that seed because I felt that Andy Lack at that moment wanted to bring him back and just wanted to kind of allow things to be forgotten because of the news cycle. Why do you think that that wasn't applied to Matt Lauer if we've seen this from the same director, from Andy Lack, uh, and we've seen this happen where Brian did come back to MSNBC? So why wasn't that a choice for their biggest, most high-profile guy? Look, I think there are a couple of differences here. One of them is the genre of the sexual discrimination complaint is so different. It's so red-hot right now that um, 
that they felt like it would be, I think, a, a combination of disrespectful to the accusers, uh, in addition to sending a wrong signal uh, to uh, to other people in the organization who might have been abused um, or or discriminated against or harassed. Um, and in addition to that, there are also big legal concerns here. If, for example, someone were to file a lawsuit against mm -hmm. NBC, NBC would be able uh, to say in this case, look, as soon as we found out, we took swift and stern and certain action. Uh, if they had taken, say, a six-month, you know, wait-and-see kind of attitude, look, um, a jury wouldn't look very favorably upon that. You know, they would say, come on, you should have known, you should have done something, you should have prevented it. So, you know, I think there, there are ethical, legal, business, humanitarian concerns that all sort of fold together on this. The big question now is who's going to replace Matt Lauer, but because I, so many male anchors have been fired, it's caused a sort of a ripple effect <laughs> on sort of a a hesitation and a caution to hire men in his replacement because they too might be accused, uh, especially if you do well, I checks. Know. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that exactly. I, uh, if, if they had an heir apparent, uh, someone who they had been grooming for this job. And a Willie Geist. It, perhaps. But, you know, it's a very, very special job, uh, the job of the morning anchor, because you are sort of a combination news person and social uh, media guru and, a you know, cooking segment. And you have to be both affable and stern and... And, and and if there's any chemistry problems between you and your co-host, it will show over the course of three hours live every day. So it, it's it's probably the most difficult anchor job to fill successfully because um, they have to be so versatile and the combination, the chemistry between co-hosts has to be right. Um, so uh, I, 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 it's a really difficult job under the best circumstances. Do you believe that maybe we're looking at a future of an all-female cast in morning television now because it's the uh, safest choice? Well, I don't know that it's safety so much as I just don't know that they have the right person in mind right now. But look, it's just guesswork. I have no idea what they're going to do. But I don't think, uh, to take your point, I don't sense there'll be any hesitation to putting a male in there if they have the right person who they think will have, you know, good chemistry with the other co-hosts and they have enough journalism and enough personality to carry it off. I, I, it, you know, if, if you if you bought your idea, you, you'd be buying the subscription that uh, all men are pigs and no one will ever be trusted again. And I don't buy it. What of the TV viewer? Do you think they'll be able to trust another male anchor again? And sure. how does that affect the job of a news director? Well, yes, of course they will. Um, but it's going to have to be the right person. Uh, you know, I rem you remember, and you do too, when they said, well, nobody can take the job of Ryan Williams. Well, of course mm -hmm. they can. Uh, you know, of course they can. Nobody is irreplaceable. Um, so, you know, and they say that about Walter Cronkite. They said that about, you know, Edward R. Murrow and everybody else. And so, you know, they'll say, about a, they'll say that about you and they'll say that about me too. Uh, we're all replaceable. And the question is, is, you know, is there somebody who comes along who's good at what they do and, um, and can, and can provide useful, reliable information and is easy enough to watch and understand? Um, 
and when there is, there'll be an audience for that. You've been um, in this business for about 44 years. Uh, you know the business in and out, uh, Mr. Tompkins. Um, what do you think is the future of the TV news landscape moving forward? Well, it's a pretty broad question. I, I would say that, um, number one, uh, you've got to be real. You've got to be relevant. You can never waste my time, particularly in the morning. And I think this is one of those things that CBS is uh, and was prior to the Charlie Rose uh, incident um, trying to thread, trying to say, look, we understand your lifestyle. You don't have any time to waste. Um, I think that NBC was trying to figure out what's the right balance between entertainment and news. And I don't think they quite dialed into it the way that Good Morning America has more recently. Um, I think that will be the biggest single challenge that NBC will have in the future is to figure out what they are. Are they, are they newsier? Are they more entertainment? What are they? And a whole lot of that's going to depend on who they choose to be the host. If the host is principally a newsy person, Mm -hmm then that may shape the content of the show. I mean, look, there's no doubt that Matt had a tremendous impact on the decisions that the show made about who they were and what they did. Um, The the new talent, who, if there is one, if they do replace, um, they'll have to make that decision based on the people that they have, based on what they want to be, based on what the audience demands. You know, that'll determine whether they hire, who they hire, and what kind of content they are. In the end, it's still a content business. But in the morning, it's also a personality business. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it Mornings, more than any other time slot, are personality businesses because there's so much unscripted time. You've seen a uh, lot of you've seen a lot of personalities. Is there anybody in your mind that you think fits that role perfectly today? It's a great, fair question, and I don't have a great answer for you. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those. Uh, you know, it's one of those. It, it give me forty eight hours, and and I might be able to think of somebody. I I, I was totally unprepared for this news, right? Uh, I think and, everybody was, and so I just haven't given it enough thought to to give you a thoughtful answer. Um, I don't think they're on MSNBC uh, at the moment. I mean, I can tell you where I think they're not. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to do any rating on Good Morning America, mm-hmm. uh, although there's a you know pretty good personalities there. Um, you know, you know if 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 I could choose somebody who I think would be spectacular, not that they're going to be available. <laughs> so uh, I'm not in any way predicting this, right, right. but you know, if, if I were to throw, um, if I were to throw fairy dust on this and make it better, the person that I would think would be spectacular would be Byron Pitts. Oh, um, wow. Interesting. Uh, and the reason that I think he'd be spectacular is first of all, they would give them uh, diversity, a black male. Second of all, he's a fantastically nice guy. Uh, he would be above any reproach. He's been everywhere and covered everything. He's covered war. He's covered everything there is to cover. Uh, he was on 60 Minutes. Nightline uh, and the CBS Evening News, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, he's, he, if, I could, if, I could, if I could put one person in who I think would be spectacular day in and day out, that's the first person that comes to my mind. That's a great, excellent choice. Uh, I, I would have to agree with you 100% there. So. And there's no chance that it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You never but it's know. a parlor game, isn't it? I mean, it's the parlor <laughs> game. And uh, But start is somebody of that quality, you know, somebody, somebody who is truly different. You're not trying to, you're not trying to put in a, 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 another person exactly like you had. 
you're trying to put in somebody who truly deserves a great position because they're terrific at what they do and 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 they can handle anything no matter what news breaks remember this is the same job that had to cover 9-11 mm-hmm. the moment it broke that's right this is the same i mean this is the same job that has to do tough interviews with people when bad things happen um they have to be as comfortable sitting down with the president as they are sitting down with a celebrity and it's a very special person who can carry that off uh to be a light touch and to be a heavy touch uh, you don't know what you're going to cover every hour of, of the show. You just don't know. And so it needs someone with deep, deep background to be able to pull that off. I think NBC has now a clean slate to kind of just redefine how they want to see their Today Show. And I think viewers will be seeing something different, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And like you said, it all depends on who you bring in because that is going to shape the tone of what viewers will be watching. Uh, what in the next you say... Weeks. What you say makes sense, but history has not been that. So Katie Kirk followed Jane Pauley. Uh, Willard Scott was replaced uh, by Al Roker, and there was very little change. An affable weatherman. So Today Show has not had a history of top to bottom reinventing itself at every opportunity. They have found something that works, and they try to keep that going. And so while what you say makes perfect logical sense, it is not their history. Mr. Tompkins, Senior Faculty at the Pointer Institute, thank you so much for being on the podcast and giving us your insights. You bet. Good luck. It's time for Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. The Latino movie Coco from Pixar Studios is the number one movie in the United States. Hellboy reboot will premiere in 2019. The New York Film Critics Circle selected Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird as its best picture. The post by Steven Spielberg is chosen as the best picture by the National Board of Review. The Gotham Awards names Call Me By Your Name, Best Picture, and the remake of Shaft is coming in 2019. In TV news, The Jersey Shore is returning to MTV. Cuban actor Bobby Cannavale will co-star opposite Julia Roberts in Amazon's Homecoming. Victoria's Secret's fashion show on CBS had its worst ratings low. The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon is close to falling to third place in the late night ratings, and Netflix's Mindhunter has been renewed for season two. Switching over to music, the 2018 Grammy nominations are in. Luis Fonsi's Despacito received three Grammy nominations, including Record and Song of the Year, but it's Jay-Z who leads all with eight nominations. Kendrick Lamar and Bruno Mars also came up with seven and six nominations, respectively. Also, for the first time in its history, the Grammy shut out white men in the Album of the Year category. For more info on all the Latino artists nominated to the Grammys, go on to showbizcafe.com for the full details. And in digital and social media news, Google's new Android app stops other apps from wasting your data. iPhone X is updating Google Maps. The creator of the defunct Vine is working on a follow-up to Vine. There are now 25 million active business profiles on Instagram, and Twitter is testing bookmarks, a feature to privately flag tweets for later. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. 
Justice League flopped, Thor reigned supreme, and now Marvel has premiered the biggest Marvel trailer in its history. Adam Garcia, producer at Yahoo Entertainment, is here to help me understand the significance of Marvel's Avengers Infinity War film and what DC needs to do to fix its problems. Mr. Garcia, it's good to have you back on the show, man. Always a pleasure to be here, sir. You know, you were my first guest, I remember, on my first episode. So it's great to have you back in episode 58. Can you believe that? I, I cannot believe it, but though I can believe it, you are kind of amazing. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. So let's talk about this. Um, I want to talk to you about two things. I want to talk about the breakdown here of this uh, trailer, this new Infinity War trailer, and what it signifies for moviegoers that love superhero films. But then I also want to talk to you about DC versus Marvel and mm-hmm. the Justice League and the sort of debacle that that has sort of spawned upon pop culture uh, right now from Mustache Gate, you know, to the flop that it has been at the box office opening weekend. It didn't even reach over $100 million. Um, but let's begin with Marvel's Avengers Infinity War. This is the trilogy. This is the end of that trilogy uh, of the Avengers being assembled. You saw it immediate thoughts because I read some stuff you saw on Twitter that that remarked about confidence in the differences between DC and Marvel but to isolate just the trailer alone were you excited is it uh, is it are you reaching that peak of like okay it's superhero saturation let me first start with my reactions on the trailer as someone who literally jumped out of my seat when I heard uh, in the end of Iron Man 2008, I'm here to talk about the Avengers initiative. I thought, Oh my God, we're going to have the Avengers. (laughs) Right. You know, that was just pure excitement, pure excitement. The whole idea that like I'd have Iron Man and Captain America and Hulk and, you know, maybe Thor and a couple of other characters in a single movie was just outside my realm of understanding. Um, So to see this trailer, not only with, all these characters from from the very first Avengers, but from all these disparate movies, Doctor Strange uh, on the same scene with Hulk and Iron Man and Black Panther and and Black Widow and Falcon and War Machine all running to this giant Lord of the Rings sized battle is is beyond anything I could have expected ten years ago. And you know, it's, since this like is going to be essentially, but not a first of a two-part story you know because there's going to be infinity war and then whatever the fourth avenger films is going to be like that this film this trailer looks so epic that this trailer looks like the film is going to be this huge conclusion to almost 20 different films um is it it makes me even more excited for part right i think there's a much more somber tone to this trailer more than anything where you're seeing a Captain America that's no longer polished. He's yeah. so gruff that you could tell that he's been weathered yeah. by the amount of stress of having to carry the burden of the world on his own shoulders because exactly. his persona no longer exists within the confines of today's era. Um, exactly. And that's you know one of the beautiful things about that. I think that the, that the trailer is foreshadowing a sort of death of one of its superheroes, which is, I think, the way it should end because it it yeah. would it would give it that much more gravitas. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's great to see every single 
superhero you've seen in the last 10 years assembled together with Doctor Strange, with Black Panther, Josh Brolin's Thanos, you know, now being sort of the crux of the story here. Um, because where does Marvel go from here after after giving you the peak of their vision? How, yeah. how, how better can it get, Adam? I, I don't know. I think I, I think with these two films, Infinity War and whatever follows, like it's going to be big and then they can go small. And they've sort of done that. You know, they've, I think, Spider-Man Homecoming, Doctor Strange, uh, even Black Panther are good examples of how you follow, or even Winter Soldier, let's move back even further. You know, the Avengers One of the best is, movies I've ever seen was Winter Soldier. Exactly. And that one is a sequel to The Avengers. Mm -hmm. So you have this big, like, everyone's like, what do you do after The Avengers, after you get everyone together? And the Winter Soldier showed it. Like, you tell a deeply personal story. And you, you make the stakes high for the individual characters you know i think that i personally love spider-man homecoming for for a number of reasons uh many of which are just because as a young nerdy kid who grew up in brooklyn that was very similar to not only my high school life but the peter parker i saw was very similar to the peter, the peter parker that i imagined i would be if i was spider-man mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> But so you connected, obviously, with the character sort of motif. Yeah, exactly. And uh, my point is, though, with Spider-Man Homecoming, it was a smaller story. You know, it was this it wasn't about the end of the world. It was about him in high school and fighting the vulture and sort of like proving himself as an adult and realizing he's not ready to take that leap. Um, so I think that what they do afterwards is going to be probably smaller scale stories, sort of the fallout of these events. Ask you. So all of a sudden now we see Justice League. It comes out, mm -hmm. it underperforms, it's an underwhelming film. I know you hated it. I yeah, gave I, it yeah. I gave yeah. it a mixed reaction because mm -hmm. I thought there were some things that they did right. You know, I love the characters at the end of the day. It was a dream of mine ever since I saw Super Friends on Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> to now see them in in in, in, in live action action in a live action template cinematically speaking no matter how bad the movie is i would have paid money just to see real people inhabit these uh cartoon characters that are part of my childhood i would have paid for that um yeah. but i would have hated it i would have hated the movie too um but but just just to see them together was sort of like the price of admission Nevertheless, yeah. I don't see a future for DC. So the big question here is, Adam, in your particular yeah. opinion, why can't Warner Brothers in DC seem to get their Avengers or their superhero franchise right? DC had two options. They could have taken the time to build their world over the course of a decade, over however many years, to get to the Justice League. Um, they also had the other option of starting with the Justice League and spinning out from there. Instead, they try to do a half measure at every point. And I think that's my that was my problem with Justice League, the film, and my problem with the DCEU in general. Everything is a half measure. Uh, there's a lot of good intentions, terrible executions. Now, but, is, it the, is, it, is this yeah. the creator's fault? Or is this executives who have, n who have no business being in the creative field that are making uh, these decisions? I think uh, the answer is yes. I think it's both. Uh, I think that as someone who did enjoy Man of Steel um, for all his flaws, um, 
And me too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a flawed film, and my girlfriend is also someone who absolutely loves it. Um, you know, it as I think it's the create overall. The creatives didn't really understand the characters the way that Marvel does. I think Marvel, you look at what they do, and you're like, that's the character. I know from the comics on screen, they're able to distill these heroes down to their core essence and adapt the things that need to be adapted, change the things that need to be changed uh, and put them on screen where I think Snyder's vision for Superman was very dark. Um, his view of Batman was very dark. I think they were trying to be the anti-Marvel and that's a, either an executive decision or a creative decision that they're like, we, we need to change things. And they didn't have the confidence in their characters. They thought like, oh, they can't be too light. They can't be too silly because no one really likes it like Superman. No one really likes this. I, mm-hmm. it, it, and again, I think so there, there's that. There's a creative decision and the executive decision of like, we need to rush this stuff. We need to catch up. So I think they, they made this big Batman versus Superman fight completely unearned like it was it this. came out of nowhere bro yeah and it's like we we don't know this batman like why and, and all we know of this batman is he's killing people with his car and like, that's not batman and superman is feeling sad about being superman i'm like i'm sorry that's not superman so there's a lot of uh, they they rush so quickly that they nothing that happens feels like why why why, why do i care yeah you know i think that dc's going through an identity crisis Yes, because I think they're living off of what worked, which was the Christopher Nolan tone, which was dark. But then again, they also had Heath Ledger. Yes, um, that 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 sort of, I mean, he's an Oscar winner. I think he's the first actor to ever win an Oscar uh, for a superhero film of that nature. And yeah. because of this identity crisis, um, they're like, okay, let's go dark. And then they noticed that that got mixed reviews. So then they want to say, well, let's just rip off, you know, what Marvel's doing. Let's bring Josh Whedon in and have him do some reshoots and rewrites. And that yeah. humor is off brand with everything that they've been setting up that's been dark and sort of almost grimy, you know, uh, to a certain extent with, with without that humor. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that you have to be dark or funny. I know that yeah. works for Marvel, but that works for Marvel. I think they have yeah. to come up with their own vision of tone of what that needs to be. What would you do differently if tomorrow Warner Brothers said, hey, we're firing our CEO and you're going to (laughs) be the guy that's going to be in charge of the DC universe, cinematic universe, what would you do differently? That's it. Let's say like we did Man of Steel first. What I would have done is I would have had a Man of Steel, a Man of Steel 2, sort of slowly, and maybe have Batman as a, like background character uh or sort of like how a cameo appearance sort of like how black widow was a cameo in um the avenger movies in the avenger movies but and then like then do the batman versus Superman, and then sort of build from there but let's say let's say we just man it's 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 tough because like there's so many things i would have done differently like one thing i liked about batman versus superman uh that i thought was very interesting was the first half hour was amazing I think that the whole idea that like having Batman be on the ground during the attack of Metropolis felt right. It felt natural. It felt like, okay, this is, you're responding to the critics of Man of Steel and you're also, you know, making the sort of believable of fight. But then they just shot the bed and sort of 
made it more complicated than it needed to be. Um, I guess if I if we were to step back completely and say like, all right, Adam, what will we do? I would have started with just I would say like, let's not try to mimic Marvel. Marvel's doing their own thing. Let's start with the Justice League. Let's start with these characters all coming together and then spin off from there. Hmm. Then, Interesting. Because then you, you step away from the comparison to Marvel. You're trying something completely different. You're letting everyone know. Like, so you're doing you know, a role reversal, a reversal do, completely. Exactly. You know, like it's a team up. And you can look at how they handled it on the Justice League, the animated series, or any of the animated series, how they handle these characters coming together. Because um, you could have like maybe – this whole idea of Batman bringing this team together or Superman bringing this team together. Just there are ways around to introduce each character, each protagonist in the very same way that they did the Avengers. You watch the Avengers, the Avengers, they assume that you haven't seen the other movies. So there's always this scene introducing each character, introducing who they are, where the, uh, like their beliefs and, you know, the relationships with the rest of the world. And then they start jamming them together and then they unify them at the end. You could easily have done that with the Justice League. And I felt like they tried to do that with this film. But they again, everything's a half measure. Like, they don't really introduce Cyborg. They don't really introduce The Flash. They don't really introduce Aquaman. It's sort of like, oh, here's a scene. That's Aquaman. All right, okay, now I guess he's part of the team. And, oh, here's The Flash. I guess he's part of the team now. And it, it's the closest we got to an introduction with Cyborg. And even then... They took something that was very interesting and never committed to it. So again, if I would, that's how I would have done it. Start like with the whole team, and then and then break them down individually, spawning off individual stories as they go. But then, but then, what do you do after that? I mean, once you introduce everybody, do you reunite them again? I mean, because then it loses a bit of that impact. I mean, I think the beauty about the Marvel what they did was is was anticipation. They yeah. built up that anticipation for so damn long yeah. that by the time you got to it, you could see it in the box office numbers. You just could not wait anymore. Yeah. You were like, give me a leak. Give me photos. Give me anything. I, I, this is what I live for. Yeah. I think that, that I don't know, man, you either use the same template that Marvel does it, but with these, I happen to think that the characters that DC have are bigger Oh yeah. Then and, and more historic and more iconic than the ones Marvel has. And, and Iron Man was nobody when he was no, first I introduced. Totally agree. And to that point, you know, like while I think the the best version of reality would have been the Marvel model of each character getting their own introduction, maybe starting with Man of Steel, then doing a Man of Steel sequel, a Batman sequel, um, either like sort of tying into the Dark Knight trilogy, which I'm glad they didn't do, but you know, like in like Wonder Woman and then, you know, Green Lantern and then sort of bring them together. The Marvel model would have been best, but even as, uh, you know, but like if Marvel was out there doing this thing, the uh, other opposite, the only other choice is to do the complete opposite. And to your point, these characters are so iconic. They are so, they are myths that they, you, they don't need that much introduction. You know, like you can just assume like, oh, this is Superman, this is Batman, this is this, this is this. I agree. The character. So totally they, I agree. There's a short, shorter hand that they could have done. Um, it's just, but like it, with this, with Justice League, they just, it, it felt so anticlimactic. And that yeah. was my biggest problem with it. Yeah. And that's why I, I, 
reacted to it so negatively is because with the Avengers, you can still watch that film and the, when all of them are together and that's a big circle shot at the end, we're at, right before the final battle of New mm-hmm. York. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is amazing. This is the biggest thing ever. You have a sense of scale. You have a sense of, of stakes. And, oh, my God, they're finally together. There's a shot in Justice League where they're all lined up at the end. I'm like, why the hell do I care about this? Right. Because It seemed no, cheesy. Exactly. And there's no sense of scale. Like, they sh- uh, like, and I mentioned how, like, with this giant battle with Wakanda, like, because Marvel's taking the time to introduce Wakanda, this huge battle is going to mean something to the audience. Where Justice League is like, who the hell cares about this Russian village? By the way, who? when is Black Panther coming out? I think that's February. Oh, my God. Uh, so we're going to get Black Panther in February, and then in May, we're going to get Infinity yeah. War. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's going to be a great year. And then before I let you go, Adam, yes. um, t- we got to talk about The Last Jedi really quick. Yes. What are you expecting from this? Will this be the definitive Star Wars movies that breaks all box office records? I think it's going to, yeah, I think it's going to break a lot of records. It's the return of Luke Skywalker, which to me was the face of the franchise Yes, from the and beginning. And to see him 30 years later, I just think, I mean, this is, is, this is Star Wars. I, dude, I, as someone who grew up reading the Expanded Universe style, uh, novels, as someone who always loved the idea of heroes aging, and especially Luke Skywalker aging, has always been a story that I've always been interested in. Uh, I'm I'm more excited about this movie than I've ever, than I was for the Force Awakens because I never thought I'd live to see seven episode seven. I thought it was just a thing that was never going to happen. I never in my life thought there would be an eight. It's just like because like seven was not a possibility. The idea of an an eighth episode was not even on the horizon. Um, I think I hope that this movie breaks with conventions. I hope that it does something dangerous with these characters hmm. that we we're left with a very interesting universe afterwards. Um, because I think force awakens, I think they made the right choice to mirror a new hope. Um, I know people criticize that, but uh, for my own personal view, I think it fits in with the mythology of the universe because every uh, generation has a young desert, a young child from a desert planet who's destined for greatness. I think that's you know you had uh, Anakin, Luke, and now Rey. Um, I think that it's the whole cycles, the the whole uh, mythic cycle. Mm-hmm. I love that, but I want, I love the idea that then the second chapter of each of these myths, it something changes radically. You know, something different. Very goes wrong. Uh, Anakin falls in love. Luke uh, doesn't finish his training. Something happens in this cycle, and I really want. I love the idea that uh, if this is a cycle, if this is like every myth trying to like bring every person trying to balance of the Force, I really love the idea that it's Rey, a young woman who is able to bring balance to the Force after two generations, three generations of males can't do it right which i think that both fits into our the cultural zeitgeist of where things are right now Mm -hmm. and also i just like strong women i think that's awesome (laughs) so i i just um i just hope that like it i just want to leave that theater shocked surprised and i swear to god if luke dies i'm gonna (laughs) i'm uh, you know unfortunately i think that's what they're doing they're 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 sort of removing the institutional icons in order to give way to the new generation because isn't that what the life cycle is and and isn't star wars about life cycles 
Yes. I, but I do think for, to that point, I feel like I would be worried about Luke in this film if it wasn't for the fact that uh, Leia passed away, uh, like Carrie Fisher passed away. I feel like the death of Leia will be a major point, uh, plot point in the, in the third film. Interesting. Well, with that said, Adam, producer at Yahoo Entertainment, thank you so much for being on the show and giving us your insights on DC, Marvel, uh, Avengers Infinity War, and The Last Jedi. Can you come back? When the I, movie comes I, out, you know, because oh, there's no one I want to talk about the Star Wars uh, in The Last Jedi than you, my man. I, I, I will be here, my friend. Awesome. That, that's great. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. If you're looking for some new songs to listen to, check out these three new tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. <laughs> Si alguien la ve, Gio Buya. Baby, you make me crazy, Sam Smith. Ella, Alan Rosales, Chel Maya. That's it for episode 58 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Adam Garcia, Al Tompkins, for taking the time out to be on the show. And thank you guys for listening from your favorite streaming platform, wherever you may be. I'd love to hear from you if you can. Please send me your questions or feedback. And you can email me at highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. That's highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. Also, if you like this U.S. Latino podcast, please feel free to share it on your social media apps. Tell your friends all about it. If you can, have them subscribe to the show. Hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbizcafe.com. See you next week on another episode of... It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.